<laughs> no, it's, it inspires me. Oh, my God. Look at Vern Troyer. Oh, yeah. Vern Troyer is the head coach. All right. I'm, I, I hit record on this, just so you know. Vern Troyer is the head coach of the hockey team. And they make his office one-eighth size. If you're just tuning in, this is Dan Hansis <laughs> recapping The Love Guru, which is playing on the TV behind me. And that is a very funny but offensive joke in 2019. It's off limits. All right. You ready? I think so. Should we... Dial the uh, heater down one notch. Mm, good call. Don't turn it off, but just like down one, maybe. This is the kind of prep that goes into just a, a regular episode. So why are you talking so much? I mean, we got an audience here. Live, we're live streaming to millions. Are we? No. Um, glad we don't do that anymore. You wouldn't even know. Nor would anybody else. Nobody watched. <laughs> one guy in Australia. I miss him. All right. <clears throat> We didn't show up in any... Oh, I'll save it for the pod. Here we go. Here we go. Hi. You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, Bobby Castron. Hey, Bob. Hey, Dan. It's the end of the year, and here we are doing what we do. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year to you. You know, um, first of all, a little disappointed. This is our best of the uh, 2010s podcast. Oh, my God. We're doing it. Really excited about this one. Um, And... I just want to start by saying this is obviously retrospective season. Um, Greg Rosenthal on our Arcade Fire podcast pointed out that uh, Pitchfork put out their best of in early November Mm. to try to beat the crowd. Uh, We are waiting. We wanted to get the full decade. Yes. We wanted to make sure nothing fell through the cracks in December. Don't treat December 2019 as if it's not part of the decade. Give it the respect it deserves. That's what we do here. Exactly. Like. Travis put out a new song like yesterday. Like that could be the best song of the decade. It's not. Oh, it's not. But you know what? Travis had a great run. (laughs) Um, You know, that is one of the themes of uh, when I was, you know, kind of going through the decade and realizing because now, Bob, you know, you're turning 40 in a week. You're turning 40 in like a couple of months. Months. I mean, come on. Months. Uh, But we've now gotten old enough where uh, bands that we grew up loving uh they kind of age out of their ability to put out effective music mm-hmm. and now and you have to find new music or you just stop finding as much new music in fact one thing we didn't really touch on was 2019 uh for me wasn't a great year of music i don't know how i didn't bring this up during the 2019 podcast we did uh-huh. a couple weeks ago um i i struggled to really uh, kind of connect with songs and then i was going through the decade and Weirdly, 2014 was a massive music year for me. I For me, it was 13 and uh, 15, Maybe. I think. So in 20 yeah. years, will we look back at 2013, 14, 15 as like 93, 94, 95? I, iconic <laughs> period of music I, history? Probably not. Yes, or is it just because we were 34 and hadn't fully given up yet? Right, which we have now. I also think we're uniquely qualified for these, um, these type of lookbacks because we are blessed with the born... 1980 right bang yeah the start of the decade so age you know zero to 10 80s 10 to 20 90s yeah 20 to 30 the aughts and now 30 to 
So this, this isn't just a best of the 2010s for us. This is the best of our 30s. Like flat out from zero to 10, this was the 10 years that we were in our 30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good years. It, it was a good decade. It was a hard decade. Lots of ups and downs. A lot fucking how, happens how, in your 30s. How uh, hacky can we be? So many ups and downs, some <laughs> wins and losses. Uh, no, the, your third, if you're a listener to the show and you're younger, let me again reinforce the notion that, look, Bob's got a call. His wife really botched the locksmith situation. <laughs> we don't have to get into that right and now. And we're talking about the locksmith comes in. He wiggles some keys in front of the wife for a half hour, 45 minutes, and says he's got a $450 problem. Yep. So now Bob, what he's doing is Bob is connecting with the bank and saying, stop payment. And now what I'm saying to Bob is, Bob, what do you think the locksmith, uh, who's got to be a union guy, who's got to have strong hands, is going to do with a comedy writer from uh, Los Angeles when he realizes that he can't get paid? I got I got forty year old dad strength. I'm no, ready. Man. Bring it on. No man, the I'm bill's out. gonna come due one way or the other. Is what, what I'm I'm worried about, Bob. But <laughs> the listeners that are younger in your twenties, let me say it again. Uh, you know, do not stress out. Just fuck around when you're in your twenties. Oh yeah, Just fuck around. And then when the thirties start, if you're like thirty two. 33. There's no rush when the third, just because you turn 30, you don't have to start exactly at 30. But get going by about get 32. Get going to it, but you could ease into it a little bit. Don't feel that pressure of like 30s hanging over my head. Right. Just know that it's time to start thinking about getting real. Don't the, be pressured at all in your I, 20s, I, I guess is the point. I I'm think the to make. tough thing about having the 20, being born on the zeros, is that it's, it gets a little hard to separate your 20s or your the decade from the year. So when people are like, do you miss living in? Do you miss New York City? It's like, well, I miss being twenty six in New York City. Mm. So, do I miss being twenty six, or do I miss the city? It kind of all connects. It's all connected in that way. It's all connected. Uh, but yes, we both got married. We both uh, had our kids. Uh, we we're both working. This is good. Yeah, it's a good decade on. Yeah, balance. we'll we'll talk about everything. We're that still we friends. Did. No, this is the end of the show. Everything we did in our. We're done already? Yeah, that's it. And I was on my phone for a long time. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we we picked, uh, each of us uh, went through the archives and picked our 10 favorite songs of the decade. And we're just going to, like we did with our best of 2019 episode, uh, just trade off uh, one in one. And uh, this will be more interesting to see if we if we cross swords often. It's not going to be exactly like our best of 2019 episode. Because for the top 10 songs we each picked, um, there were only nine of them. So uh, I told you, I didn't like 2019 that much. You weren't uh, still not good at math. No, that was purposeful. I didn't have a... I, I didn't realize until uh, I put the playlist together and I saw knew, we only had 18 tracks on there. No, I, I did nine. And then we crossed swords on one of them. There was some uh, sword crossing. I didn't sure. want to. I didn't want to push it. I was yeah. only going to pick the songs that I actually liked. Okay. And uh, 2019, not so hot. But so, the decade yeah. as a whole. The decade as a whole. I this was, was this was a daunting task because you and I, outside of saying let's pick ten songs, there was no further conversation about what this was. Like, is it 
the, your 10 favorite songs of the decade? Is it the 10 most important songs of the decade? Is Fuck it most important? The 10 songs that make you look the coolest, which is what I went with. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's like it was a little tough. And when you have a decade's worth of songs to pick from, we're just we're just one man times two. It's a lot of it's a lot of work. Well put, Bob. It's a lot of work to like kind of dig through everything to figure out what were no, the ten not that best much songs. I I don't know about you. I haven't slept in two weeks. <laughs> the pressure's on, Bob, to pick the songs that will define who you were. Yeah, from thirty to forty. So we're gonna go through it. And uh, Bob, you want to get us going? I'll get us going. Oh, okay. we have two ox. We cords. have two ox cords. <laughs> I just reached Bob for the ox cord. His hand, not the most masculine way to reach his hand across. And how it reminds you, me again. Let me see how you would do it. <laughs> oh, my God. It looks like you're going to grab my balls. <laughs> uh, but um, let me remind people once again that Bob has stopped payment on a $450 locksmith charge. And let me tell you something. The, the, the locksmith in- industry, big locksmith. They don't take too kindly to payment oh, being stopped. Just wait until this guy's service is rendered. Wait until he didn't render it. He didn't complete the task. He's a criminal. Well, ask Heather if he completed the task. Oh, they're, oh, they're definitely fucking right now. Isn't that it? Can't pay the guy if he's <laughs> that's how, doing that. That's how it all begins. What if he's hot, too? He's definitely hot. And she keeps unlocking things and throwing <laughs> the keys down the like. You're really forgetful lately. She's all right. Let's not let's not end <laughs> down the garbage. Let's not end the decade talking about my wife's inevitable affair with a locksmith. <laughs> Instead, how about we start? And I'm just going to start with a banger. Okay. I mean, they should theoretically all be bangers. They better be. I'm going to ten years start with track one off of the album. I think is my favorite album of the decade. Okay. So we're just going to start right there. You've, We've already crossed man gashes. Good. Did you already you recognize it immediately? Of course. of course. Now, when you say we crossed our man gashes, new listeners, that means our schwanzes. Our gats. Our stingers. Did um did you pick the same song or did you pick the same album? I picked Red Eyes by the War on Drugs. A nice pick as well. This was a tough one, but I went with Under the Pressure just because I love this open. And away we go. This would have been a good song to have playing. The build-up. You're new because you got the aux cord. Yeah, it's a different... This would be like a good talker. All the way to the singing? All the way right to but the singing. But I like that piano right there. Well, the come down here is easy. Like the arrival of a new day. This is, Love that. of course, Under the Pressure off of Lost in the Dream, mm. 2014 album by The War on Drugs. 2014, and there it is. There it is. Let's start there. Um, this was one of those albums where first listen, I was just blown away by how different it was while not being different at all. It was Dire Straits meets, I mean, I, I can't even think of all of the influences that kind of 
pop out. Yeah, there's a little Dylan in there. There's a little Petty. Yep. I hear a little Springsteen with this band. Absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, all the influences are all there, and it's good to hear a band like this um, because once you hear, especially after Tom Petty died, uh, it was shortly after that that really I kind of got into this band, and or shortly before that, and it just like, oh, it's good to have a band that wears those influences on its sleeves, that kind of Americana rock. Yeah, and I picked this song because this to me it feels like the way that um, Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot kind Wilco of too. came out of not came out of nowhere. They had a few albums beforehand, but really made a statement with that album, and especially that first track. I'm so trying to break your heart. That's what this mm. feels like to me. Like the, an eight minute long track right off the top that is just setting the tone, and it's a little different, and uh, it's such a good listen, especially if you're like like a little legally stoned because it became legal in the 2010s so you could be as stoned as you want then yeah as stoned as you want yeah tell us about your drug use man well it increased in the 2010s yeah let's go through <laughs> that because you were never a, a big weed guy no I'm, and i still wouldn't say I'm teens big, and 20s i'm not a weed, big weed guy at all but i'm a you know like once you have kids and we both had two of them in mm-hmm. the 2010s you spend a lot more time at home you stop going out as much which is awesome which is so nice so nice and uh, my wife is a teacher as well, so she goes to bed early. So there's a lot of time. Although the locksmith taught her a few things. That is true. We'll see, we'll see how this works out. But uh, a lot of times it's just, you know. Wait, why did this not go through? Where is he? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, he's in a, a rented garage. He takes out the, the pitchfork and the torch. Yeah. That's how this place burns. Yep. New Year's Eve 2019. It's <laughs> a good way to go. Nobody stops payment on me. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, I don't know. yeah, just sitting on a couch, being you know, popping a gummy or a breath mint, and just having a couple of hours where you're just like in a different headspace, listening to music or watching a movie. It's a great place to be. I still don't like smoking. I don't want to ever be stoned outside. I don't <laughs> sound like a forty year old. I don't want to deal with people. No, I never like that. I remember. Getting, I don't like all that smoking. I remember getting stoned in New York City, which was a disaster for me. Mm. Like it was just way too much stimuli. Yeah. No, just a little relaxing. And uh, that's a good music to listen to if you're doing that. I, as I've gotten older, I have more, you know, I have regrets about uh, never getting into coffee because it feels like something that helps you. It does. As you're getting older. Um, and uh, weed is also the same thing to me. I, I've never been able to get past, uh, you know, some people get relaxed when they smoke. I just get paranoid and uneasy. Right. And that never went away. And it sucks, but that's just the way um, I'm hardwired. Yeah, you're hardwired. Nice. All right. So good start there, Rob. So, yeah, a theme for me, like going through the decade was saying goodbye uh, to uh, some of the bands that I loved in my you know teens and 20s uh, because bands don't, you know, they're not always able to keep up the output. Some have an, one album in them. Some have two. Uh, the rare band has a decade or two in them, uh, but they all run out of juice eventually. You know, and I noticed like the band, my favorite bands. And my favorite artists, all the artists that are in their 40s and 50s and 60s now, what did they put out in the 2010s that I was like, oh, these guys were essential? It, it drops off. It just, and you know what? Probably same thing for us, Bob. Oh, totally. Just a heads up on that. <laughs> There's an expiration date on your creativity. Um, but uh, that's nothing to worry about. We'll never get older. No, we're young forever. We're in our 30s. Um, so I wanted to say goodbye to one of the bands of my youth uh, by pointing out Really, to me, their last great song. Mm-hmm. 
do this. Here it comes. Uh. Hey, uh, guess what, asshole? This what? was in, this was in my top ten too. Excellent. I like your setup. This was, um, you know, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. This song, um, yeah, it was so good when it came out, and it gave you that hope, hope. that yes. this was going to continue on. I know you were not a big fan of First Impressions of Earth. I was. It, I had, it had You Only Live Once, the studio version, which is one of my favorite right. songs ever. But other than that, yes, I was disappointed. About and it. this was the lead single off of Angles. and it felt I, like a throwback. It felt like a throwback, yeah. and it felt like they were going to keep doing it. And there are some... There turned out to be a few good songs at Angles, but not a great album by any means. They just but, This is one of those, when you read about it, they recorded everything separately. Right. They weren't really a band in the traditional sense at, by this point. Yeah, But this song was on my list because I wanted to pick songs that have like very specific memories or moments for me. And this song, I remember the first time I heard it, I was in North Carolina shooting, mm. a, shooting a pilot for Comedy Central called Playing With Guns. Playing With Guns, yes. And... I, I tend to do this thing I've learned over this decade that when I go on a shoot, I find an album or a song or an artist that I listen to on repeat the entire time. So then it will, for, and I don't do it on purpose, but then it forever reminds me of that experience. Like this past right, summer, this past summer I did the same thing with sports team. I was up in Sacramento shooting something. So now whenever I hear sports Life team. Life in Sacramento. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> so it's not, you know, the most glamorous job I ever had. Like, but, unless um, you're the governor or Doug Christie, you just don't want to be in Sacramento. But this was... Shout out to Sacramento listeners. This was an exciting song to hear, and I remember playing it for... So the show starred Danny Masterson and Ethan Suplee, and I remember playing it for them, and we were all just like, this song is great. And uh, I listened to it, like, every night in my hotel room, every morning before we went to set. And so this uh, takes me back to that time when... Uh, I almost had a show on Comedy Central. So close. So close. It was a funny show. You should throw that thing up on YouTube. You know YouTube. what I'll do? Is that allowed? It's, on, it's hidden on YouTube. If anybody... <laughs> I will send you the link. If anybody emails yeah, us... Because this podcast is hidden as well. So. I know. Well... <laughs> I've done my I best. I wonder if more people... You really try hard. <laughs> I wonder if more people have listened to this podcast or seen the show that nobody's <laughs> legally allowed to see. <laughs> but I do have the link. If you email us, I will uh, send you the link and don't tell Lionsgate. Which one? Because the, the, we, we did shot it. the pilot. We shot two pilots for the same show. It was a weird kind of thing that happened. Yeah. But the first version was for Spike TV. And then when they decided they weren't making scripted programming anymore, Comedy Central said, holy shit, we like this, but we don't want to do that episode. We want to do your second episode. So let's throw that out and do a second pilot for the same show starring different people. And it uh, came out great and got the call that it was getting picked up. Mm. But they wanted to do a little more recasting. And when that recasting fell apart, the whole show died. Brutal. Brutal. Um, did but you ever great you, song? Yeah, have you ever thought, Bob, that uh, there are two people on this earth that can say that I've been directed by Bob Castrone and Mort, Martin Scorsese? Yeah, no, I thought about that a lot. I just rewatched Wolf of Wall Street, which not that we're going to go down this wormhole, but is in my top five movies of the 2010s. And uh, Ethan Suplee is one of the douchebag uh, guys that works under Jordan. Gelbar or whatever. Oh, his name see, I didn't. Di- I did not direct playing with guns. I only wrote it. I thought you were thinking about Ray Liotta. Uh, Liotta, of course, is one. That, yes, he I, was directed by both of us. Okay, 
Suple. Suple just read the words that oh. I wrote, and then whoever wrote Wolf of Wall Street. I wrote along with Jason Zumwalt and Brian Levin. And on the on the on the topic of the Strokes, um, this song also reminds me of this year when we saw the Strokes one-off show here in Los Angeles, and this was we rushed into the venue, we got tickets at the last second, and this was the second song they played, and everybody just went deep shit because yeah. it it was kind of like a. It sounds like something that could have been on either of the first two albums. Absolutely. Yeah. That song and Taken for a Fool, I think, are the two best songs off Angles. All right. Let's keep moving, Bob. We're off to a good start. We are. Nice decade. I like it. We had a nice run. Let's go to the year that I kept coming back to, 2013. Are we still going to be friends in 10 years? We're still going to be doing this podcast in 10 years. (laughs) I don't know if we're still going to be friends, though. We'll see how it evolves. Oh, it'll be a strictly business proposition? Or just like a very like antagonistic like drama. (laughs) But by the way... That is like you could shit on. Oh, fuck the strokes. They couldn't keep it together. Just imagine you used to be a friend with someone or used to be colleagues with someone. And then you just get sick of each other or something happens and you just you feel like you can't even be in the same room together. And then you're supposed to be creative. Yeah. And, and for, forever because right. millions of people want you to be. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll experience that in the 2020s. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Here's my next song. A little band from California that we played just a couple of weeks ago. Their lead single, High. It's the hardest thing for me to do, and it's it. It's the most important part that relationships will go through. And I gave it all away just so I could say that. But I know, I know, I know, I know that you're gonna be okay anyway. You know, there's no right or reason for the way you turned out to be. I didn't go and try to change my mind, and not intentionally. Without a doubt, one of my top 10 favorite songs of the decade. I like this song. I, at first, I, I, it sounded really familiar, and it's because I know the song. But it also, the beginning of the song sounds like, I don't know, like a Joe Walsh single or something. or some type of early 80s, like a, a Billy Squire single. It totally In, in a good way. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it, it turns into something different. No, this song, uh, when it came out, just kind of threw me into this. Who are these girls? What is this band? like looking for stuff to read about them. The way that you get excited about music or the way you got excited about music in your 20s and teens, mm-hmm. it got me excited because it's so, I guess, like War on Drugs, familiar sounding like you're saying, but it was like fresh and uh, they were on SNL, I guess, shortly after this song came out and they just like blew the fucking roof off the place. And I just became a fan immediately. I know why you really like them though. Well, I said it in our best of twenty nineteen. They remind me of like my cute Jewish relatives, where it's like, are they are they really my right. cousins or not? Like, where it's like your cousin and a friend. It's actually not that. Although that's interesting to look at it that way. You went through a phase in the mid aughts where you dated like four straight girls that looked exactly the same, and they kind of looked like the girls in Hame. No, yes. I don't. They I didn't. all looked the same. I think they even had the same name. I dated they, like two. They were either a Jenny or a Rachel, and there was like five of them in a row. I dated a couple of Heim girls, but not. <laughs> I mean, you went, it was like... You, Before that, you went, it was all like 
You went boy crazy. You went gash crazy for Heim types. Before that, it was all blondes with the first letter M in their names. And then it was a couple of Heim girls in my What do you think Meredith's up to these days? All right, let's not get into that. Do you think she thinks about you ever? Never. The Honestly, do you think she ever thinks about you? Never. (laughs) (laughs) Did you want me to say yes? I think it'd be weirder if I said yes. Yeah, I guess so. Do you I mean, ever think about Meredith? No, except when, you know, I'm going to bed at night and when I wake <laughs> up in the morning. I mean, just like the normal times, like when you're driving alone in your car. Like, sure, just like sure. aside from that, never. Sure. When you're on a Valentine's Day date with your wife. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> Stuff like that when my wife is with a locksmith on the other side of town. <laughs> um, good song. Good choice, Bob. Yeah, they're great. I like that they're still making good music, as evidenced by the fact you put them on their, your Best of 2019 playlist. Yes, the uh, the Summer summer Girl, which I love that song. Um, all right, so since you played uh, music uh, fronted, and in fact, that band is entirely comprised of women, right? It's the Three Sisters. sisters. Yeah. yeah, from here in sunny California, like Studio City, Laurel Canyon. The uh, One of the big uh, kind of themes for me of songs I like the most um, this decade were songs sung and fronted uh by women uh since we just did some haim let me i know it's hard because it's like Corey haim but it's not it's It's the last thing the Corey haim has left in terms of the legacy (laughs) we're gonna take it from him we're taking it we're taking h-a-i-m and transferring it to haim time yeah i'm sorry it's time for haim is what you're saying haim time anyway this is um probably i don't even think it's close to me the best chorus of the decade it's an absolute hammer drop uh and it is by a singer songwriter who's been around for a while and she's written hits for other people but this one she decided to keep for herself this is sia chandelier party girls don't get hurt can't feel anything when will i learn i push it down i push it down I'm the one for a good time call, phone's blowing up, bring up my doorbell, I feel the love, I feel the love. off 1000 forms of fear again 2014 this was she kind of put herself on the radar to a wider audience uh because of this was the phase where she wore like this wig that covered her face and then even when she did performances she did an snl performance i think of the song Mm -hmm. and another where she was like (laughs) she had like a piece of cardboard over her face or something yeah that was like the whole thing like she didn't want to be a commodity you know these artist types about Sometimes it's just ridiculous. I mean, I thought that's why you don't promote the podcast is because you're kind of like the Sia of podcasting. I am in a, in a lot of ways. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, this this is a song that the first time I heard it was like, holy shit, I love it. It's even got that Nirvana dynamic of the kind of quietish verses, and then the chorus just fucking explodes, and her voice is great. And if you actually listen to the lyrics, do you have any idea what the song's about? Uh, household lighting? No, it's actually pretty great. She's a recovering alcoholic, and the song's about... Um, the quiet parts of the song is her talking about, like, her life's fucked up. She can't get anything right. She needs to clean her act up. And then when the chorus explodes, it's her swinging from a chandelier drunk as hell. And then when it goes back to the verses again, she's cleaning up her own mess again. So it's kind of telling that story. So I think it works on a lot of different levels. And i uh, been a fan of her going back to the Six Feet Under song. Mm-hmm. And uh, this whole album I really liked. Uh, so Chandelier by Sia. Good pick. Yeah. You're definitely more of a, a Sia fan than me, but I've always uh, liked the song whenever it's on. Great video, too. One of the best videos of the decade, I would say. Yes, my son Jack was obsessed with this ballet dancer. It's like young girl who does like a performance art dance through this grimy apartment. And he would mimic the whole dance. We have four kids, Bob. Four us. of them. Four of them in these 10 years. Didn't have them before. 2011. You got married in 2010. Got married in 2010. So coming on our 10-year anniversary. Holy shit. Jack, born in 2014. 2014 is a good year. Yeah. That was a good one. You got Jack in 14. I got Nicholas in 15. I got Harrison in 16. There we go. And then we both said, Dunzo. Did you get that snip done? Never got the snip, though. How many appointments did you make? Two. What did, why did you change your mind? I got two uh, pre-snip appointments where uh, <laughs> my balls were fondled. And not in like that that like casual way they do it at the doctor where it's right. kind of like Just a check. Real, real quick. Cough. No, this was like, let me get to know your balls. Mm. So I'm going to make a third one just for fun. I mean, it was <laughs> nice. Uh, were you just like rock hard? <laughs> I, like, I mean, that has going. to happen, by the way. If you're the boner doctor or the cock doctor who... Uh, does the the prelim examination? Yeah, uh, it doesn't even mean you're gay or whatever. But maybe there's some men that just getting their testicles fondled is going to lead to a physical reaction, and all of a sudden the guy's got a like a fucking boxer full of hard cock. <laughs> what and, boxer? It's out there for you. He's got a hard cock. Are in your you face. stripped nude? You're, bo- <laughs> you're, you're fully nude. Fully nude? Why would you be full? <laughs> He's like now the shirt. It's like. <laughs> No, only Are you wear, sure, doctor? No, only wear this. He gives you his necktie. You're like, this is weird. Wait, where are you going? Where are you going? Hang on. What's happening? Are you are your balls okay? You just got up, kind of shifted. Hang on one second. Okay. Um, no, it was uh, the first time. It was because I needed to like get different medication, and then uh, the second time, I think like my insurance changed, so I just never went back, and that was the end of that for my V. There should be a third time, though. You know what time it is, baby. Here it comes. Let's do it. Time for Bob to vamp. Well, my first thought is, it's so confusing. I feel it in my pants. And uh, what more can you say? I feel it in my thighs. Uh, uh, don't, don't do this now. He makes the dolphins cry. No. Time for Bob to no. Time for Bob to Vamp. 
That's the best song of the decade. That's thank Joey you. D, right? Yeah, thank you, Joey D. Prospero. For Our Paisan friend. The best song Joey of the D. decade. My mama make the best meatballs. <laughs> right, let's talk about that. What were the best meatballs of the decade, Dan? You're up first. Oh, Debbie. The meatballs that my mom makes. I don't want to be. Okay, go. Um, it are so great that they have negatively impacted my ability to ever order meatballs from a restaurant, even when people are like, you got to try the meatballs. I don't want to be a dick or anything, but there's no way your Irish mom makes the best meatballs. Statistically, but that's you know, impossible. But you know Pearl River, where we grew up. Yeah. The Irish in our town were fully aware that Irish food was terrible. Yeah, that's true. So Italian food was the dominant form right. of yeah, it was, yeah. cooking and, and eating. And there were a lot of Italians around there to help you guys out. A lot of paisans. All right, Bob, you are up. All right. Looking back at the decade and looking back at the 10 songs I wanted to put on this playlist, I thought, you know what? We're, uh, we're two uh, hip-hop heads. Hmm. We're two uh, rap gods. Oh, feels getting deeper into the water here. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wave just went right into your open mouth, Bob. You're I wanted choking. to pick a song that was uh, probably my favorite rap song of the now decade. Are you, now, do you, is this actually one of your 10 favorite songs, or is this one to make your top 10 seem more rounded and make you look cool? Just this, be honest here. This is one that, because I put some thought into this, when I hear this song, I get happy. Every single time. I think it's one of the best songs of the decade. Right. And I think this is one that... Sorry, tw- Love Guru's on. I told you that was going to distract you. You have to turn Love Guru and, off. And um, Vern Troyer is the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Stop is, watching Love Guru. He's having a seizure. Rest in peace, Vern. <laughs> Go ahead. Biggest loss of the decade? <laughs> it's up Everything, there. You know what? If you could tie... The funniest it, lost. Flop, if, you funniest could, loss. if you could tie it into the 2010 podcast, I'm okay with you watching the Love Guru while we do this. Actually, it came out in 2008, though. No, I know, but if you could tie it into... Oh, his death? Yes. Uh, See, I gave you that one. All right. All right. Go ahead. Stop watching Love Guru. Uh, yeah, 20 years from now... When Asking this, somebody to stop watching Love Guru is, you know... It should be really easy. Very difficult. 20 years from now when I'm in the club and the song comes on... <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to get excited. Just hit play. <laughs> oh, okay. Good job, Good job. The song, of course, Nye, as in Paris, um, by Jay-Z and Kanye West. Well, it's Nye, no, star, you star. Could, you can actually say it, Bob. Nye, star, no, you're star. Fine. I won't isolate it and then send it to your boss. Nye, Nye two Will star? Arnett. It's not. It's like Nye, as in Paris. That's how I think it's supposed to be. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, yeah, man. Watch The Throne, 2011, Jay-Z and Kanye. This, this is, fits into the theme also of... Um, iconic stars of our teens and 20s right and dying gasps i feel like this was and not a hip-hop head but i feel like jay-z's big enough where you could track these things this was kind of the end of jay-z's golden period or his last gasp like this was uh, the watch the throne album with kanye was a legitimate kind of sensation and this song is one of the biggest hip-hop songs ever i think yeah i think so too and it was kind of uh, jay-z's last great moment and one of one of kanye's 
but it uh yeah i remember it completely took over it was exciting i loved the fact that they would go do a perform a concert and play it seven times in a row yes that was such a cool move it was the funniest thing to me that they would just keep on playing the song and no one wanted them to stop (laughs) i know nobody complained all right, we got to listen to the uh, Blades of Glory sample, which is still of amazingly course. in its randomness. Starring Will Arnett. No. No, yeah, I know. It's Will Ferrell and John Hedder. Yeah, Will Arnett's in it, too. Oh, I thought you were saying he was in the sample. No, 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 no. Blades of Glory. <laughs> Arnett was in every movie in 2007. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. <laughs> no, it's not. It gets the people going. <laughs> So they didn't get that cleared, I don't think. And and this tells you so much about John Hedder, wherever the fuck he is now. Not a great decade for John Hedder. Um, <laughs> uh, he didn't get, first of all, he didn't get it, which is, that's okay because it was random as hell. Uh, but he also didn't seem to be particularly pleased by it. And it was just like, dude, just roll with it. Like, this is yeah. one of the great songs. Yeah. And you're randomly part of it forever. You're welcome, John exactly. Hedder. All right. You never liked Napoleon Dynamite either. No, I never got into that. I still think it's good. I saw it about a year ago, and I understood why I liked it back then. But I also get why people would be like, eh. Your opinion means nothing since you're loving The Love Guru right now. I do like um, watching The Love Guru. It's (laughs) like a fascinating piece of living history when you watch it on your Netflix. All right. Good choice, Bob. And you know what? You nailed it because that song, I thought about it. And um, I went with a, a different hip hop song, and I didn't want to go double hip hop because that just wouldn't be true. It wouldn't to be me. real. It wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, but there is some shared before, DNA. With before it. you get into yours, could I? Um, I'll just throw out the other ones I considered, and some I think the other hip hop songs. The other hip hop songs specifically, "I" by Kendrick Lamar. Okay. Was on there. Uh, Grown up. By, Don't love that song, by the way. But okay. I love that one. Uh, yeah. Grown up by Danny Brown which I got in trouble for, for playing it to, uh, we do our mix CDs with our friends. Mm-hmm. I put it on two mixes in a row and our friend Greg got mad at me. The same song? The same song because I forgot that I had put it on. <laughs> Here, let's give you a second. Give you a second of it. Remember this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, because yeah. it has the uh, sample. Yeah, it's a great yeah. sample. Okay. All right, so anyway. And uh, Little Dicky saved that money. <laughs> Save that money. Save that money was a legitimately great hip hop song. You tried so hard to push Lil Dicky this decade. That I, was kind of like your thing. You I su- succeeded. He's like he's kind of funny. He's and He's very Jewish, funny. and he's, he's like, very Jewish. I feel like in another world, maybe I could have been Lil Dicky. I could just. I just want to be friends with him. Like he was. He's to me essentially like the modern Weird Al Yankovic. Just like a, I'm okay with that. A funny rapper. Yeah, but, uh, he's, but he's legitimately good. He like, is talented. Yeah, he is talented. I'm just saying that. As the kids say, you were a little thirsty in trying to push him onto people. And I succeeded because he was a huge <laughs> hit. He did. I think had a number one single. He did last well. Year. Uh, all right. Now. Yeah, moving on. Next up. So there's a name, Bob, that that really figures prominently in the in the music that I like this year, that, that this decade that surprised me when I was going through the list. Ed Kowalczuk. The way you bait. You know, where? Oh, well, that sounded good. I'm telling you. Well, I've always. That's in the stable. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, real quick. Sorry, to yeah. inter- I keep interrupting you, but fans have asked. It's been a long time since you've done a little BNL. <laughs> I know that's not very decade, but if you want, it's been perfect, yeah. fucking perfect. It. Nailed it. Oh it's my, been. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. we're there. Who wait? You? All right, here we go. <laughs> um, Jack Antonoff. Do you know who that is? Yes. Who is it? 
a music reviewer I don't like. <laughs> so you don't know who he is. No, I think you were hoping I would just start talking and then you would be able to get away with it. I think I know who it is. Okay, Jack Antonoff is a singer, songwriter, producer. Uh, he had a band that's been in hiatus for several years now uh, called Fun. That's what, yeah. Uh, but he's also now kind of better known as a super producer. Mm-hmm. And he works with a lot of the um, like best young music stars, uh, especially like female stars. Taylor Swift, he produced 1989. Or wrote some of the, her biggest songs. Lord, who nearly made the list for me because I love that uh, her most recent album, especially he produced that album, and uh, and then Fun, the album. Everyone knows the song "We Are Young." That was 2012, which I'll always connect with my wedding because that was huge in uh, the spring of 2012. Yeah. Uh, but the single, the whole album is really great, and the song that I chose is "Carry On" uh, because it's like a, a quirky, fun song that's way more ambitious than you'd think upon first listening to it. So let's listen to a little Carry On by Fun. May your past be the sound of your feet upon the ground. Carry on. Carry on, carry on. And if you've been like following his career and like the best Taylor Swift songs have this type of sound to it, um, where the, the drums, there's a bit of an 80s feel to it. And what I like about this song in particular, it's, like I was saying, it kind of, it, it, at first it sounds like, oh, is this just like an all-American rejects type song? And then uh, it starts a- to get like more and more layered. There's And it just, there's like a queen-like guitar solo, which we'll get to, and it ends with a kind of a weird um, vocal trick they use. And it just turns into this like fun song uh, by fun. So let's listen to it a little bit more. Song. I think it was used in an episode of the Jim Jeffrey show, Legit. It's one of those, and I remember loving bands it that, that use, yeah, they yeah. kind of use TV um, uh, to maximize it. He's a Jersey guy, and people forget they haven't put out an album since right that album, 2012. America was like, that's enough fun, but they they never put out another album. They won Best New Artist, they won Song wow. of the Year, and there was a uh, you know th- a trio. And they just went their separate ways, and they've been a hiatus for seven years. So when you asked me if I knew who Jack Antonoff was, I immediately did, but I didn't think that's who you were talking about because I liked his little solo album. Or Bleachers. Band. Bleachers had yeah, like three good really good songs on it. I didn't think you were about to play a Bleachers song, so that threw me off. But uh, you know who he dated in the 2010s as Lena well? Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham. So he was like kind of, he he kind was of a little out there. He was like a little He was seedy. also like, what's more 2010s? than being in fun and doing Taylor Swift albums and Lord albums and dating uh, Lena Dunham. No, I got excited about fun because the lead singer, uh, Nate Roos, 
he was in a band in the 2000s called The Format, which was like one of these bargain bin CDs I bought, and I ended up loving it. Yeah. And he had such a unique voice that I remember the first time I heard uh, We Are Young, I was like, holy shit. I like his voice a lot. The Format did it. Like it was one of these like, <laughs> right. that little 99 cent CD I bought is making it. And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, they had a moment. Fun was definitely, they definitely had a moment. I want them to have another things. moment. I want a second fun album. How about that? Okay, look Who's at Who's asking for it? I want it. <laughs> Man Pounds Table for fun part two. <laughs> Although I didn't like how it was stylized, lowercase F-U-N and then period. The period. Nope. That bothered me. A little too much. So you want them to kind of do the grown up thing where when they put out the new album, it's fun with a capital F, no period. Or all caps. Oh, that's a big no. You can't do that. That's well. A, what about when Matchbox Twenty dropped the two zero and You're became ready? TW? You, you want fun to go a little Matchbox Twenty? No, I don't. No, I want I want fun to stay in their lane because it's it's a fun little lane. Fun. There it is. Great, great band name. Great band name. Not as good as Live. <laughs> the best. No, they just didn't know. They didn't know the internet was going to do what the internet I was going to do. I know. They got together in nineteen ninety. We've been over that. <laughs> All right, Dan, I'm going to play you my favorite love song of the 2010s. Wait, hang on. i got to restart uh, Love Guru because the closing credits are playing. Uh. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Bob. This is uh, my favorite love song of the 2010s, and it's a weird one. Well, you think you're in a safe space where you could say that and I won't make fun of you? What, what kind of man are you, bro? Bring you it like on. love songs? Bring it on, motherfucker. No, I want to hear a love song. Am I spread and What? <laughs> this is Father John Misty. Oh, this fucking guy. Chateau Lobby number four. Oh, I don't like this, this is person. the best fucking love song because it's so real and weird and fucked up. Every line in the song is perfect. It's about just this kind guy's of, so pleased with himself. Though. But he that's des- my issue. With he him. deserves it because he is one of the best writers ever. He's one of the best songwriters ever. Oh man, I like the song. Listen to this part. This part's. He ruins it for This me. part's great. Pretend it's not him. Listen to this part. First time you let me stay the night despite your bone rules. You took up early to go cheat your way through film school. You left a note in your perfect script. Stay as long as you want. I haven't left your bed since. It's just real. It's just a real no, love I like the song. song a lot. It's just like finding somebody and thinking that it's lame and cliche to get married, but realizing like, oh, this is different. I'm like, you're the first. This is the first time I felt this. And throw out your rules. And we hate all the same things. Let's just do it and see what happens. So I, I just love it. I think every line is perfect. Like I said, 
this album, I Love You Honey Bear, has some of my favorite songs of the decade. Mm. And I, I'm not like, uh, I don't like Fleet Foxes. Like, I never got into that. But um, yeah, I don't need nine minute songs. I think this guy is just a super talent and he makes he makes me want to be a better writer because I just think he's so good with words. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have anything against the music or even the sound of his voice. But every interview I've ever read and any story I've come up, uh, he's a hipster. He just seems he comes off as such a pompous douchebag, the type of pompous douchebag that you would come across in New York and you just wanted a fucking pushed down into a sewer. Maybe I missed that. Maybe that's a part of it too, is we're kind of, we're 10 years, well, I'm 12 years removed from New York now and being at a bar on the Lower East Side with people like that. So maybe I kind of miss it a little bit. Maybe you miss the douchebags. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's obviously talented and you're not, you're far from the only one that kind of views him as a gifted songwriter known for having a, a deft mind. Yeah. Smart dude. Um, all right, Bob. That was good though. I like the song. Great song. Hate the man. I get it. I get it. No. Uh, speaking of hipster, how about since we were, we're slowing it down a little bit, um, I will pick uh, next a kind of a, a torch song, as they say, which I never really knew what that meant. Uh, and then I um, I don't know if I looked it up or I just heard, uh, I heard I listened to some song and I was like, I really like that. And then the DJ came out of the song. was like, one of the great torch songs. And then I understood what it meant, ah. which is to just, you know, l- longing for someone you love. Yep. Uh, anyway, here is Harmar Superstar with How Did I Get Through the Day? Produced, by the way, the song by Julian Casablanca. Yeah. They're, they're boys. starts singing his heart out but uh i love it it's almost like an old 50s song and oh, totally yeah. definitely like a lot of soul to it and the julian casablanca is, is all over you could you could picture him saying like pour more into it let your voice crack just fucking go off on yeah, the song yeah. and you hear that as the song goes along and i just love the the lo-fi kind of production of it all i think it works perfectly it's very under pressure Strokes. Yes, it's very, it's kind of like a Strokes demo. It sounds yeah, like exactly. And I wouldn't want to see this song cleaned up and and turned into something more slick because I think part of what makes it work so well is that it's kind of raw and unpolished. Harmar's, you know, I never like I don't think I've ever listened to a full Harmar Superstar album, but he was one of those New York guys when we were there. That right, you just I, heard his name. Was like, you heard his name all the time. Every so often, cool. you'd see him at like Max Fish with his shirt off or something. He was right. kind of like a Lower East Side guy. 
And uh, yeah, I never sought him out musically, but uh, yeah, I love I love this album. Get married 2012 12 right yeah yeah that was fun yes was fun austin time. texas may 12 2012 and for for longtime listeners who might not be aware your wedding one of the most viral weddings of the 2010s yeah how about that that went away that stopped did that, did that stop it did stop entirely in fact but yeah there was a um as they call in the industry first look yeah where the wedding photographer, when you see the bride for the first time, they have the camera ready to get the groom's reaction. And uh, they snapped a picture of me, you know, making like a goofy face and being excited. Seeing you you Emily. looked so genuinely excited and shocked. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it ended up being used on essentially every slideshow of uh weddings wedding first looks yeah like i bu- made every one like buzzfeed lists like everything that ripped off buzzfeed i was even in the countdown i was like number four on one that was out of like 50 ones <laughs> and uh this was like well before like the podcast really took off and yeah, yeah i didn't really have any twitter followers or anything uh but i would get these like texts all the time from random people like somebody i went to college with <laughs> or and then a kate and then i start getting tweets um so if you if you could find me find me uh it's there any legitimately any one of those countdown lists yeah that came out from like 2013 to 2016 (laughs) i am on that all you have to do is like just google like excited husband or surprised Mm -hmm. first look it's there all right that's the great it's your greatest work it's the best thing you've done this day i went viral what can i say it was a it was a nice moment you're up bob all right this it's going well so far. Song, it was a good decade. Right? Pretty good decade. This next song, uh, unexpected album appearing here. Not because of the, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Let's just fucking play it. <laughs> I, I, thought up, I, I thought I had it set up, but you know what? I just want to play this song. He's a gifted order, folks. Off Brandon Flowers, lead singer of The Killers. Ooh. The Desired Effect, his solo album. Yes. This song, Lonely Town. Definitely one of my favorites from the decade. I forgot about this album. Good job. Don't forget about it. It's a good album. I've been working overtime. But I can't get you off my mind. I'd sleep in pouring rain. When will you come home again? Spinning like a gravitron when I was just a kid. I always thought that things would change, but they never did. Spinning like a gravitron when I was just a kid. I always thought that things would change, but they never did. I'm hanging on to the end of this rope. Somewhere on the outskirts. This song, I think, has such an amazing feel to it. 
it just feels yeah, he like did a nice job with this. It feels like something that could be in Stranger Things when they're at the carnival. Right. And the Gravitron was the best carnival. The Gravitron right? was the best. That was the one where, you know, if you had to pick one, if you only had X amount of tickets left to go on one ride, you go on the Gravitron. Because that was an experience. You kind of, it took you into a different world. You exited the middle of your your sleepy town and all of a sudden you're on a spaceship. Yeah, straight you up. upside down or you did that move where you were standing, you put your feet on it and you stood up. I so you were got just, too crazy. I know some of the kids well, I got did crazy. That. I Me? got crazy in the Gravitron. I kept it real. Well, I got fucking crazy in back, there. arm, stay, didn't move a fucking muscle. Oh, that was my safe space where I just like let my freak flag <laughs> fly. I just fucking went all out in there. Uh... I love this song. This would not be the flower song I picked. Um, I really loved um, Can't Deny My Love. Can't Deny My Love was another great one. This album, from beginning to end, is one you could just put on, and there are so many good songs on it. I almost put on, the only reason I I came close to not including this was I almost included the killer song, Shot in the Dark, that came out this decade. That's a a good one. I like that one. Which was a B-side that I really, really liked. But that was a good one. I liked. I actually liked some of the killers' output this decade, but it. I guess it kind of just suffered from. I never found anything that I thought approached the heights of the first few albums. That's fair. And his solo work, I thought, was just superior to the killers' work, which was must have been annoying to the rest of the killers. Right. It's like, dude, you're burning off your, the best songs you've written on your solo album. No, it turns out maybe the drummer from Scaba the Hut was slowing him down a little bit. <laughs> He just needed to kind of break if, free. If ever a drummer looked like a guy that was in a band called Scaba the Hut, it was the drummer <laughs> of the Killers. Um, all right. Good one, Bob. Good fucking one. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to see that on any other top 100 list anywhere. Probably not. Um, all right. So um, I debated not putting this on because we we hit this artist pretty hard in the best of 2019. But then I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You should put the songs that you liked the most and you thought were the best and mattered the most in the decade. And one of my very favorite albums, which came out in 2014, was an album called 1989 by Taylor Swift. And I believe the best Taylor Swift song that she ever wrote from both the sound uh, to the lyrical content, it kind of all connected and it was just a, to me, a perfect pop single. And I believe it was a number one hit is Blank Space. What a huge boon to Starbucks. 
<laughs> I don't know what she actually says. I think it's star-crossed lovers. Yeah. But it just sounds like Starbucks lovers, and uh, and that's what everyone thinks it is. So good good for that chain for getting a break finally. Finally. And for somebody who doesn't like coffee, that must have felt kind of conflicting for you. You know, big coffee, uh, and I have never been on the same page. But, uh, yeah, I love the song. Another, we're talking about the Sia video. This song also, Jack used to love this song, so it was... Uh, I don't know, videos obviously don't have the same cachet they used to have. Yeah. But there's still, like, record labels, if it's a big artist, they still pump a t- fucking shit ton of money into these videos. And some of the uh, the resulting work is really fun to listen to and watch. And Blank Space is one of the best videos of the decade. And I, I just love that she got hit up with that bullshit that, that women that are famous get hit up with, where the whole angle of she's a slut, she's a whore, because yeah. she dates people. And she kind of turned it on its ear in the song. Well, I nice. mean, let's let's be real. It's like, calm down, Taylor Swift. Stop dating people. You know what I mean? Like, just settle down. You're a woman. It's time to get married. Right. Get married at like 22, 23, and that's it. We're, you know, it's fitting, Bob, in this uh, look back at the I'm bringing misogyny back in the 2020s. No, you're getting canceled. Oh, wait, what? Like, you're getting canceled. Wait, me? Yes. Why? what you just said. No, no, no. I think it's This time. is the decade of being canceled, and no, fittingly, no, the, you've been canceled. The 2010s were. 2020s, it's going to be all like Al Bundy. Like, let's just go. Does again. everyone that got canceled... Ooh, that's a good question. Did they come back alive? Did they get uncanceled? Like, is Harvey Weinstein a, a, a gifted <laughs> mega producer? In 2020s? In 2020. Like, January 1st, he's like doing like an Affleck Damon movie. I mean, maybe, because... I mean, I I, I hope so. No. Um, <laughs> You're digging a hole here, Bob. I mean, I put Ryan Adams' blank space on my top 10, so... Uh, let's listen to a little bit more. Boys, only one love if it's torture. Don't say I didn't say I didn't warn ya. That's her best album, too. Check it out. If I agree with that. Like, if you're somebody that's a little snobbish and I'm not listening to that pop shit, give it a listen and divorce yourself from Taylor Swift, the celebrity, and just, like, see if you like it. And... No lie, and this is, I'm already canceled, so I might as well be honest about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even, I never listened to that album or gave a shit about it until Ryan Adams covered Ryan it. Ryan Adams is the track. man that led you. Yes. He was your leader. His cover album of 1989. <laughs> was excellent. Was excellent. Can, no, don't bring it up, though. But you're right. It was so it was good. It was so good. It was so good, and it made me go back and listen to Taylor Swift's album that she wrote, because she's talented. And appreciate it in a way that I wouldn't have had right. he not done that. I'm not, you know, he gets, uh, he was canceled for using his notoriety, his fame, his clout uh, to like get women to sleep with him. He that was, a, was the well, angle. Well, he was a scumbag. There was that, but there was also potentially, and we'll see where this lands, but like, young girl text messages and that kind oh of there thing. was that angle it went well. a little young yeah so i think that's really okay. what got him that's but yeah that's scumbag canceled. i mean because that's what people that's what singer songwriters did for like 50 years no, by know. the way is use their clout to get laid but uh obviously he he was a dick about it but right you throw in underage texting i forgot there about was that, that. Yeah. yeah so yeah, i think that really back. he's not coming back from that him uh, and weinstein do not get uncanceled no the um so spotify the number one streaming service in the world um not only do they wrap up, you. not uh, not only do they wrap up every year for you, they they wrapped up the decade where they let you know like who was your most listened to artists of the decade. She so was just like Ryan Adams, Michael Jackson, R. Kelly. Well, here it is. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, no, I thought I thought it was interesting. I was surprised. All right, for me, eight was War on Drugs. 
Seven was David Bowie. Six was Bob Dylan. Five was the old 97s. Four, Pete Yorn. Three, Tom Petty. Two, Ryan Adams. Oh, wow. That surprised me. (laughs) But, you know, I stopped immediately in 2019. Um, Do you want to guess who number one was? Because it surprised me. Your number one... This, so that means who you stream the most? Who I stream the most on Spotify between, I think I joined in what, 2011 or 12? You're asking me when you joined Spotify? No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure saying about. it out loud. I'm 11 <laughs> or 12. <laughs> I'm going to say Taylor Swift. Wilco. Interesting. Yeah. It I've makes lost sense because complete Dave, touch with Wilco. Dave ended up on every playlist I've made for the last mm. eight years or whatever. So, Oh, so it's the decade. The decade. That's what oh, I said. Yeah, yeah. Fucking listen. Yeah, stop it was watching. Boring. It was boring. Stop watching The Love Guru. <laughs> And listen. <laughs> where are we at? Oh, right now. Oh, this is where. Oh, he first meets Jessica Alba, the owner of the Toronto. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> All right, go ahead. You're up. Let's go to 2016. Oh, you ready? What a weird year. Yeah, right. What happened then? Uh, I guess you had a you had a son. He, my son, is the one who will save us from everything that the person that shared the date in history has wrought. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> he was born on the day that Donald. It was. Just, I think I told the story in the podcast, but on this one, I don't know if you have. Um, Maybe you have. I uh, Harrison was born the morning after Trump uh, won the election. Uh, you know, he, he won the electoral college, right? But not the popular vote, right? Right. And right, um, right, but right. my wife, who was uh, you know, was a C-section. So if anybody that's a listener that's been through that. They prep the wife. You get separated. She gets set up on the table, and they start taking out her innards. Uh, and then you get brought in after about a half hour. But you're sitting outside the operating room for 30 minutes waiting to get the call to come in uh, for the actual delivery of the baby process. And I texted Bob, uh, my friend Bob, and said uh, something along the lines of, like, this is so crazy. And then Bob, who Bob got very, him and his wife got very upset about that. And it's okay. But Bob was beside himself over the Trump thing. Didn't even know what I was talking about. The fact that my wife was in labor and I, he just went, yeah, it's so fucked up, man. No, I was actually talking about your wife in labor. (laughs) (laughs) You should not have two kids. (laughs) But I will always remember that because it does put a unique stamp on that moment because the country was in shock. That was the funny thing about it. Like, the country. I don't know if <clears throat> funny is the right word, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that was the uh, surreal thing about it. The yeah. country, obviously, well, half the country was celebrating, but the other half was just less than in half, mourning. Less than half the country okay. was celebrating. 47% like three million, was celebrating. Three million people were celebrating. Um, and uh, I and the rest of the country was in mourning. And it just, you know, priorities and big events in your life. I didn't even think about it because my wife was like, on an operating table. Um, but you were thinking about other things. Well, the day before in school, my son Dean was in uh, TK at the time. He was on the playground and he said, um, Hillary's going to win. And another kid said, Trump's going to win. This is in West Hollywood, which was surprising. Interesting. And uh, the West, the uh, Trump kid punched Dean in the face. <laughs> so it was definitely a uh, symbol of what was to come. <laughs> So these two little TK kids got brought into the office and uh, that kid's parents were called. So the next day when Trump won, <laughs> we were like, we're not sending Dean to school today. We're going to a mu- we're going to uh, the Kids Space Museum in Pasadena and just pretending like the world isn't ending. Um, I have a button on this conversation. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have your next song queued up. Hey, so then you ready. hit play as soon as I yeah, finish the go. button. 
You know what, Bob? In 2020, the kid punches back. Nice. One, two, three, four. Punch back, Bob. Don't just take it in the face. Dean kicks the shit out of a kid in 2020. Yeah. The locksmith. Oh, my God. The locksmith's going to be Dean's dad. Why is this voice so familiar? Because you're gonna remember. You're gonna remember it in a second. Car Seat Headrest. Right, that's who it is. One of my favorite bands right. in 2000, people in 2016. I was going to say Hold Steady, but yeah, this is... Teens of Denial. This album Steady. hit me like a rocket. Listened to it nonstop that year. And once again, according to the algorithm... It hit you like a rocket? Put it on the board. Hit me like a fucking <laughs> missile. Um, according to the algorithm, out of that album, this was the song I listened to the most in 2016. Yeah. I love the whole album. I almost put on Drunk Driving Killer Wells. Uh, there were so many good songs off Teens of Denial. Do you Denial. think this would have had more kind of staying power slash more people would have embraced them if, if it was a better name? Like he, that's a terrible band name. Car Seat Headrest is it's bad. It's so bad. In fact, it might be the worst. It might be the worst band name. I mean, I'm even factoring in Diarrhea Planet, Bob. Well, you can't factor in Diarrhea Planet. At They're least Diarrhea Planet is we, we know provocative. The worst, but it's provocative. It's like, what the fuck's going on? Car seat headrest. It's it's just it's a thing that exists. It's not even an exciting thing. <laughs> it's one it's of an most, object in a car. One of the most boring things you can think of. It's not even like the engine of the car, or the steering wheel, or the gear shift. It's yeah. the fucking head re- headrest where the car seat is. Yep. But I love the song. So good. Here, let me bring it back up for a second. He's about to lose his shit. I always love. And, um, you know, I still have my balls. Still have my balls in my 30s. We'll see what happens in my 40s. The song has balls. It does. I like nerdy little white guys when they get excited in the song. Yeah, me too. Like, you know, this guy would kind of fall to the locksmith just like I will. Right. And he, he got picked on in high school. Yeah. And he, nobody understood him. But when he's in the studio, he's able to let all that out. It's an unforgiving world. She's not an unforgiving girl. It's an unforgiving world. She's not an unforgiving girl. It's an unforgiving world. 
so lo-fi too. I like lo-fi. Yeah. Not always, but when it matches the material I'm into. Yeah, it makes sense here. For car seat headrest. Like I'd put out the same fucking album in 2020 with like a badass name. Steve Miller Band. <laughs> no, like the fucking Boa Constrictors. <laughs> Wait, is it the Boa Constrictors or the fucking Boa Constrictors? Because the that maybe the name Boeing... of the album is the fucking Boeing Boa Constrictors. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Or like maybe it's like the fucking Boa Constrictors with their new album Death Grip, and it's like this is the song, wow. this is the single. And guess what? Like Wait. only like eighty thousand people know this song. It's my. It's here. It is the fucking Boa Constrictors <laughs> with their new album Pussy. There it is. <laughs> you got to be a little. Yep. There it is. Immediately canceled, but you'll find a fan base. <laughs> we get one of like the Haim girls in there and that Hi-em. covers you yeah get SD Haim <laughs> alright uh, let's move on god I don't want to step on this because I hope you're saving kind of like what you think was the best slash favorite song for the last song you're playing right no I don't do that I played my number one album right up top Why? who does that who plays Me. the song they like the most at the beginning of the countdown. I didn't say my favorite song. I said my favorite album. But you, the the last song you play should have a little extra meaning to it. Okay, yeah, I can do that. Okay, good. I don't think it would be this song, but I, I got a feeling we might cross Mangash on this, and that's good. Here we go. Mangash? I 100% knew you were going to put this song on the playlist. So you, you, you knew you had protection. I, I moved away from it. Okay, good. Because this belongs on any best of the decade list. You put a lot of like faith in me because if I didn't do it, what a awful omission it would have been. I am staring at a, at a playlist I made that is 60 songs deep of yeah. things that I liked. So if somehow you missed it, I would have done it. Okay. Seasons change. Essentially, what is our New Year's episode or our last episode of the year? Yeah. Should get a bottle of champagne. Oh, interesting. And then I forgot. Yeah. So just imagine we had a bottle of champagne. I don't, re- I don't really like champagne, though. I know, but it's more symbolic. Yeah, but then you still have to have like one glass of champagne. You can't have one glass? I can have one, but then you throw out the rest. What do you do with the rest of it? I don't drink fucking champagne. I'm a locksmith. <laughs> This is the Baltimore-based band? I believe so. Future Islands uh, from the year 2014. Seasons, parenthetical, waiting on you, close parenthetical. And um, like many, what introduced me to this band and this song was a performance on Dave Letterman 
that I feel like reinforced why I want to be alive. It was the, the greatest live performance I've ever seen on a talk show. Uh, maybe ever. Any televised performance. The guy in the band, and I love the dude to yep. death because he's a totally different type of guy. He's uh, He looks like a little bit smallish in stature. He's got a little bit of a jelly belly. Uh, he's dressed in like all black black slacks and black t-shirt like a uncle trying to like look thin at a confirmation party or something and then he has a hairline that's in a little bit of trouble yep uh, and he might have it dyed and but it doesn't matter it's not about like that he's a product and he's singing his fucking balls off and then at the end of the performance it, it's almost demonic the way he sings some of the uh, parts of the song he's just so he's into so it he's so into and it and it's so real and authentic that Letterman after the song ends like I'll take all that you got he says <laughs> he like yeah. goes and he he can't wait to get over to them and uh, shake hands it was really that is a absolute one of the greatest things on YouTube is the Dave Letterman Future Islands performance and the song itself is just like a like a great like pop rock song it's a great song and that was one of those moments where we've lost the monoculture we don't have like 47 million people watching Johnny Carson every night right we have viral moments and that's it. That was one of those moments where it felt like everybody who saw that agreed that it was incredible. It was right. special. It was real. It was authentic. It was real. Yes. Dave Letterman's reaction was, I think, what made the band. I think if he would have just stayed at his desk, that video wouldn't have gotten passed around. The fact that this- I think old, it would have been because it, it could have been, but it could have gone the other way. People the other making way. fun of it. The fact that this, you know, this older man who was on his way to retirement- jumped out of his seat to run over there and just laud praise on these guys. Right. It was like, holy shit, like we're all on the same page here. That was awesome. Right. And Letterman always, you know, had good taste with music and bands. And yep. so him kind of giving it the seal of approval, uh, you know, told you as a viewer, yeah, what I saw was not funny or weird. It was actually cool. Well, some people need that help. I needed it. And it's like, oh, Dave thought it was cool, so it's fucking. Yeah, cool. we're not gonna we're not gonna shit on this guy for caring. It's awesome that <laughs> right. he cared because you could look at him and look at the way he's dressed uh, and the fact that he kind of looks like a ventriloquist dummy and be like, oh, this is silly. Uh, but what it really was was a guy. It was pure. Yeah, it was a guy actually singing from a, an emotional place, uh, singing a song that he wrote from obviously uh, some type of life experience. It was just great. Uh, if he would have done that in. 2018 and Jimmy fucking Fallon came out. <laughs> Nothing would have came of that. Cause Jimmy Fallon after every performance, like oh, I'll take that and everything it got. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they put out their next album. Their lead singles was basically this song again. Well, the whole album is kind of that song. There's like better. There are some good songs in there, but they all kind of have that sound. But you know what? If, if that's all they ever were, that was, it's great. I'll take all that. Definitely. Got. I agree. One of the best songs of the decade. All right. You're up. One of my favorite songs of the decade because that's what we're doing tonight. Here it is. Another great setup.
This is, I don't know if you know this one. Maybe you do. Maybe you love this one. Mm, don't know it. This is Everything is Embarrassing by Sky Ferreira. Ferrara, maybe. America um, Ferrara, any relation? Sky Ferrara, no relation whatsoever. Um, this song came out in 2012, 2013. And I was surprised to see it end up on a lot of end of decade mix, uh, best of the decade lists, because I didn't know that it really made a connection with a lot of people. But for me, the song, uh, I found it in 2013 because I was working on a show for Comedy Central called The Burn with Jeff Ross. And Jeff was doing promotion for the show. And he was on, I think, Kimmel. Where was Jeff Ross's hair at this point? He was uh, Afro. That was the Afro stage. Afro Ross. Which is like, I remember being like, man, I, he's a comedian. He's going for the funny look. He looks terrible, but like that's part of the fun. Yeah. And then he shaved his head and was yes. like, grow the Afro back. Grow the Afro <laughs> back. Grow the Afro back. Um, but he had, he was doing he was promoting the show. He went on Kimmel. And Sky Ferreira was the musical guest that night. So, of course, I DVR'd it because Jeff was on it. And this performance, I love the song. And I followed it on Spotify. And uh, listened to the song so much around that time. And Heather loves it. So it just became one of those songs that for me just really takes me back to 2013. It's good when it's good when you have a song that the wife also is into. Yes. Or an artist. It just makes everything better in the house. You can Absolutely, like, oh, we yeah. can put on this album with this artist. Every year, every year I make other playlist on Spotify, and I remember this was probably the first song on the first year I started doing that. Do you find they listen to the playlist less and less the longer you're married? Obviously. Yeah. yeah. That's that's not the only thing that gets less and less the longer you're married. What? What are you referring to? Like movies that no, you watch together. Yeah. That's about it. That's all I can think that's of. That's what right. I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I looked at a couple of different lists just to make sure I wasn't forgetting any songs, and I saw that like the number one song on Pitchfork Stereo Gum and NME was uh, Robin's Dancing with Myself. Yes. And for me, like, I like that song, but I like this more. It's a personal preference. I'm not going to fight about it. But this to me is like the best pop song of the last Now, you could have been, you could have chopped me off at the knees there if I had Robin on my list, which I did consider, but it's not my favorite Robin right. song. So yeah. if it's not my favorite Robin song, which clearly is Show Me Love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Obviously. I'm not going to put on Dancing with Myself, but that is. I was a little weird with dancing with myself that people is that the name of it? Yeah, dancing I didn't even with myself. I didn't realize that that made that big of an impact. Uh I think it has Dancing had, on my own, goddamn. Dancing on my own. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes. Knew that would have been so bad. Um but like something about that song really connected. It was also a memorable scene in Girls. I remember that. Right, right. Uh starring Jack Antonoff's girlfriend. See how it all ties together? It all ties together. Look at this podcast professional um, slash BuzzFeed viral star, Dan Hansis, <laughs> tying it all together. Uh, all right. So on the subject of bands that me and my wife can listen to, which not a ton. It's a little dicey sometimes. Uh, but here is one of them, and we've already heard them once, and this bodes well uh, for our throwback podcast playlist submission. Here is The War on Drugs with Red Eyes. Or red eyes. What do you think? Red eyes, like the plane. Or red eyes. Red eyes. Fucking boa constrictor. Pussy. <laughs> What's the lead single, though? Pussy Willow Dottie. <laughs> That's not the lead single. <laughs> All right, here we go. Red eyes. Red eyes. Red eyes. 
Same type of vibe uh, with the song we played earlier. Um, it doesn't rush into anything, but it immediately is like a, a just a chill vibe. It sounds familiar but new at the same time. And I would say this is probably their, their most well-known song. I guess so. Yeah. But I don't know what that means. Is Not it? much in the 2000s. Yeah. 2014. Is 2014 going to have the clout in our in our lives, Bob, that 1994 had? There's no way it does. Because we were young. What was the best year of the aughts? Obviously not 2001, for obvious reasons. But I'd have to put you on the board there, Bob, if you said so. Yeah, but there no. was some, you know, the Strokes came out in 2001, so it's a little... I know. And Garage but, Rock, you know, exploded. I mean, that was a distraction. You got to put Casablancas on the board? We might have to put the entire... Both Hammonds? The entire Albert Junior, NYC and senior. And senior? <laughs> we might have to put uh, the entire NYC music scene on the board because 2001 was probably the best year of the uh, the aughts. No, but those still Creed was dropping hammers. Still, no, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're. I don't know. If I, that was a weird decade. This is a weird decade. I don't think we get, we're qualified to say what this decade. Then is. why do we have a music podcast? We shouldn't. <laughs> well, there's that. Speaking of, we have no business. Speaking of, business, big thanks to all of our Patreonies on Patreon.com/slash Throwback Pod for uh, for encouraging us to keep doing this for some reason. I don't get it. Well, I think people like us um, essentially digging through the past, yeah, and playing old albums people know and kind of just fucking around. I don't think anybody really wants to hear us talking about newer music. Uh, but here's the thing: it's our fucking podcast, so go fuck yourself. Man, fuck. Still angry in 2020. Once you lose the anger, Bob, that's when you've lost your edge. Do you, of course, do you remember growing up the show 2020 that came on every Friday night? Yes, with Hugh Downs and uh, Barbara Walters. Yes, of course. I remember being like 13 or younger than that and watching uh, the end of TGIF and 2020 would come on and thinking, oh, my God, in, t- in the year 2020, I'm going to be 40 Yes. And here we are. 2020 jumped out. to It is It is wild. Like 2000, remember there was the buildup, obviously, to Y2K. Traffic lights. It's like, can you imagine when it's going to be like 2000? But 2020 always was one that jumped out, too. And it's like, wait, I'm going to be fucking 40? I remember when Jay Cutler in 2013 signed a seven-year extension with the Bears, and it ran through the contract, not guaranteed money, of course, but the contract itself ran through 2020. And it just felt like about a billion years yeah. away. I remember my mom's 40th birthday party and being 10. So 40 felt like the oldest thing ever. Right. And I'm about to be 40. Your mom was down to party that night. Holy You shit. were not there. You don't know that. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> we shouldn't do mom jokes. Um, all right. Yeah. We're, I mean, come on. We're 40. We're, um, we're 40 year old fucking men. You're up, Bob. Let's go over to uh, the UK. It's about time. They've been waiting. They're like, play the Arctic Monkeys. We're not going to play the Arctic Monkeys. Are you going to play the Arctic Monkeys? Play the Arctic Monkeys. All right, here's two notable uh, misses on my list. Maybe you're the same here. Why are you on your phone this whole time? What are you I'm doing? I'm doing a social media posting for this show. I don't believe you. So I'm cleared. It's I don't believe you. Um, Shared. I did not put the Arctic Monkeys on my list. Did you? 
You'll have to find out. And I did not put the Black Keys on my list, even though they came very close. Uh, they did not come that close for me. I do. I don't hate the Black Keys. I don't but either. They've always just felt a little bit generic to me. Their album early in the decade, though, with Lonely Boy and, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, with uh, Next Girl and all that stuff, mm-hmm. liked it a lot. But it, I think I've just always been on Jack White's side. Same. I think that's fucking, it. Uh, that's, preschool. That's what it comes down to. Fuck you, Black Keys. Fuck you, Von Bondies. I mean, I'm with <laughs> Von Bondies. I'm Team Jack White. That's a deep call. You know whose team I'm also on? These blokes. Oh, you love these guys. Yeah! If you were upset that the darkness flamed out, listen to these blokes. (laughs) This is such Bob music. I love it. He's like dancing like a dad from an 80s sitcom. (laughs) (laughs) The Struts, put your money on me off the album Everybody Wants. That made me fucking lose my shit. They're your Sam Fender. They are. The band that you believed in so much that you wanted to tell your friends about them. And uh, you just loved what they were and the fact that they felt like they could be the next big thing. They do everything that everybody I know likes. So there's, in my world, it doesn't make sense that they're not the biggest rock band. But I get it because the world is different now. Whatever. But fuck. (laughs) Angry man shakes fist at clouds. That's what I'm doing. This song, <laughs> this album had so many good songs that in any other decade they could have been the darkness. They could have been bigger than the well, darkness. Well, with all due respect to the struts in this song, which I like fine. Um, what year is the song a hit? This song could have come out in the mid to late '90s. Like, how is this? This is better than Reef. Put your hands on my radio. Fuck you. If buddy. they were one hand, you take that back. If you want to give them the one hit wonder. Label, they could have been. Did you just come after Reef? I just hit fucking to make an example. Yes, because I knew that would fucking hurt you. (laughs) You want to throw them in a one-hit wonder category? They could have done that. No, you nailed it. Or they could have been a legitimate rock band. In fact, their lead single off this was in that fun world of a song that could have been as big as anything Fun had done. Now you're coming after Fun. Yeah, fun could, and reef back to back on me. Could have been go back to back fun and reef. Could have been me. Should have been as big as when we were we, we were young. Whatever. No, it could have been, but it wasn't. No, so, there's a uh, reason. So I'm why. left with a an album from 2016 that has so many good rock songs that I don't care if you like it or not. I like it. No, I'm not saying I don't like it. No, I know you should like it. I think it would. Yeah, it would have been a great alternative nation song or. Like it, around the era of the New Radicals, '98, it could have it could have done some damage. Could have been Little Black Backpack, but bigger. Yes, it could have been not that much bigger though. Bigger, because there's since when has that been music that people want to hear? Yeah, in the mainstream, I'm talking about. All of the songs had their. It's been moment, a while, but they are not. I keep on comparing them to One It Wonders. They've had a handful of songs, more than one, that should have, if it would have just like if a little something would have broken a little differently, right. and. They're, I've never seen them live, but everything you've seen online, they're a great live band. He is like a Freddie Mercury type. Have they toured? 
They've toured here. They toured. They opened for the Foo Fighters, and Dave Grohl said they were his favorite band he's ever toured with. Like they're one of these like great performers. Is it Dave Grohl in my bros? He's in my yeah. bro. Pack? So you got it. So I think you got to come around. <laughs> if Dave, if your boy, let's Dave go Grohl. through the bro pack again. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's Dave Grohl. Yeah. It was. Um, fuck. Who was in my bro pack? I'm not helping you out there. You're bros. Who was in my wolf pack? Not telling it you. It was Grohl. Yep. Was it Paul Rudd? Nope. Paul Rudd didn't make either of our. <laughs> oh, there was a uh, there was a cool chick. There was a chill chick. Who was? Oh, it? Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande, <laughs> Dave Grohl, and then somebody that was funny and cool. Me? A Paul Rudd type. Let's just call him a Paul Rudd type. No, you don't get to just throw a whole type in your. No, that's back. who it was. It was a Paul Rudd type. Uh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Wow. And then yours. I. You don't have to tell me yours. Mine's I know yours. better. Yours. Is well, I only remember Rich Eisen. <laughs> Rich Eisen was in your wolf pack. Trey Parker, Ben Folds, and Rich Eisen. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Not getting into any clubs, but having a good time. <laughs> um, You're up. Well, on the subject of like a, a band, an artist that you you really want everyone else to like, but we're talking about the monoculture, how it doesn't exist anymore, how right. what we grew up and how the world was and how. Uh, pop culture was just is not even close to the same like the biggest like the like a rapper on soundcloud is 50 more 50 times well more well known than the struts on a major label yeah is your next song gonna be by lil zan <laughs> it is not gonna be oh. uh extension 6969 <laughs> it's not gonna but it is uh yes i've talked about this artist i talked about him on best of 2019 and this is the song that uh made me fall in love Major decade coming out in 19. One of the things I like about this is that he wrote this song when he was like 20. It's the Sam Fender hypersonic missiles. He's making all sorts of uh, commentary on consumerism in America. And it's a lot, it just, it sounds like nonsense written by like a 19 year old from a, a, uh, a sea town somewhere in Nowheresville, England, but it's so earnest and he, he means it. I don't know if it actually means anything or should we take anything he's saying seriously, but I just love that he means yeah, it. Yeah, he cares. Like the, the McDonald's that illuminates the parking lot. <laughs> he fucking means that shit. Yeah, so as a dad approaching 40, um, the idea that there would be this young singer-songwriter who basically took every um, every page out of the Bruce Springsteen handbook and right. is kind of doing his own thing, uh, but also clearly indebted to everything Springsteen uh, and pulling it off and being able to write songs that have hooks and um, have a Clarence Clemens sax solo in it. I mean, how could you not love it? 
So yeah, he's he, took, been, he, he took every page except for uh, I guess the library. Somebody had ripped out the page where you get famous. Yeah, that was the only page missing. I don't think there's any way. You can, Not his fault. I don't think there's any way you can get famous here. How yeah. do you break in America as a UK act? We we solved this act. last time we talked about him. Fuck Lizzo. <laughs> Fuck Lizzo. That's, That's the only right. thing he can do. Uh, yes, there you go. Sam Fender, hypersonic missiles. Uh, if you really, if you put a gun to my head, and I don't suggest you do, maybe my favorite song. Of that the was day. the only thing I planned on doing in 2020. Putting a gun to my head. Yep. Just to see what it felt like. <laughs> or fuck Lizzo. <laughs> I had uh, I had this weird agent in uh, the 2010s that the joke was uh, he always like wore the same suit. Like he always like he was always perfect. Always a bad sign. By always way. perfectly quaffed. Right. To the point where you're like, oh, this guy has demons. So we used to joke that he would just sit in his office all day with a gun in his mouth. <laughs> and then when you would call, he would just casually put the gun down, put it in the drawer and answer the phone like, hey, Bob, what's up? <laughs> and then the second he hung up the phone, he would pick the gun back up and put it in his mouth just waiting for his next call. Um, I'm inferring based on the story you're telling that he's probably dead now. No, he's doing well. He's doing oh, he's very doing well. well. Yeah. Maybe you should do business with him. No, writer strike, man. Can't. Is there a writer strike going on right now? Well, we not strike. We all fired our agents. What? Yeah, that happened like a year and a half ago. Still? And about it's still going ago. on? Yeah, uh, yeah, still going on. How about just settle? How about everybody gets back to work? Nah. How about everybody works together? Nah. I mean, my agent didn't do anything. So some, some of them are What's going on at sure. the bar- bargaining table? Are you one of the people at the forefront? Yeah, I'm really, really just running <laughs> the fucking point on this thing. You're like Herb Williams during the 1999 <laughs> lockout. Wait, let's talk about the 2010s, how you became famous in the 2010s. That's exciting. You went from a fucking nobody um, right. to a celebrity to a bunch of dudes that spot you at bars. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And um, yeah, especially like it's weird that I'm more famous in the UK. Yeah. You're that's like, interesting. You're like Uncle Jesse, who was only famous in Japan. Of course. That? Yeah. yeah, the Rippers. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. That And the, the podcast started in July 2013. Not this podcast. Yeah. Uh, the Around the NFL podcast. The other one. And uh, it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And now we're in too deep. We, it's too big now, so we can never leave each other. Yeah. No, you guys are really, you fucked that part up. We're almost a thousand episodes in. If you went solo now, you would be like David Caruso. It's too late. Yeah, this is Jade. It's yeah. Jade all over again yeah. if I try to go solo. Can't do it. Uh, so we're in it until the bitter end. Uh, but yeah, that that is uh, something I never expected in a million years that the podcast would have like a real loyal audience our subreddit bob which you founded yeah you no, haven't I've curated but you founded it founded it has almost thirteen thousand people on it dreamt it up just fucking quit my job so i could devote my time to starting it up <laughs> and then neglecting it and then somebody else came in greeby, greeby. the great greeby of course the great greeby came in to really make it happen the iconic greeby but kind of like uh the winklevoss twins to facebook i was the one that really <laughs> made it happen I, if I ever became truly successful, I would like you to sue me. I will. Yeah. Over oh, don't worry. the subreddit and some other IP. I'll find plenty. Yeah. Dig in. Well, I know you're surprised that you became famous. After listening to your early podcast, I am also surprised that it all worked out. It was a rough start. But you what got, are you implying? That the, in the beginning, it was rough, especially as your friend. You know, when like, your friends do things. Right. Like You saw me do stand up. I'm sure it was kind of awkward at times. Yeah. Yeah. When your friends are doing things, you're like rooting for them, but it's also like you're more critical than anybody else. Yeah. So it was like, oh, because like I know how funny you are and how like casual you can be. Yeah. And in the beginning when you're like talking to Dave Damashek and it's hard, 
Oh, it was weird to like so listen scary. to. It was scary, yeah. Yeah. But, I'll uh, always love Damashek because uh, Sheck was the one that gave Mark Sessler and I our first chance. But that those first times in the studio when Dave invited us up for the Dave Damashek football program to sit in on like a segment actual terror because there's no there was no experience at all we'd never been in front of my microphone like that you know what that's the other thing i'm suing you for i was a fan in the turn of the aughts is that what it's called the turn from the tens from the zeros to the tens yeah that's the aughts no but the turn of like around that time from the from the nines to the tens i was a fan of the adam carolla podcast where dave damashek was a frequent guest right and when you started working at the nfl i said you need to meet dave damashek because I was a fan of his via that. Hmm. So I pushed you to introduce yourself to Damashek. So once again, me. Hmm. Me. Okay. I'll give you that. Boom. I'll give you that. I, I just didn't think it was necessary to bring up a story about how bad I was at the beginning of podcasting. Why not? You were. Look at you now. I mean, now that's just going to stick Look at you now. Me. You're texting and watching The Love Guru <laughs> while doing a podcast. You could have never <laughs> done that 10 years ago. A lot of reps. A lot You've of reps. You've come a long way. All right. You're up, Bob. I'm going to go with an artist who is. When I saw you doing stand up, Bob, I was like, this is Eddie Murphy all over again. I put him in a red fucking leather suit. (laughs) I was wearing a red leather suit. (laughs) That would be amazing. That would be actually great performance art. It would be. If you're like playing these open mic nights and wearing the Eddie Murphy from Raw. I'm so grateful. Although part of me wishes more of it existed, I was doing stand up before everybody had phones. So it was a pain in the ass for you to even record yourself. So I only have like one VHS tape of me doing stand up. That's good, though. I think you would have been canceled. Some of the well, material the material back then was way different than what you could do now. There course. was one joke. There were a few. All right, let's go. Let's go. I will share song. it. It involved oral copulation. No, let's not do that one. That one. That one would definitely get me canceled. That would get you so canceled. So In fact, canceled. Let me tell you something, Bob. If you ever try to come after me for IP or any type of lawsuit, I am going to unearth my VHS. Unearth the oral <laughs> copulation stand up. Well, I would just deny it, but the VHS no. has proof. You would just have to break into my house. <laughs> I and get find... a subpoena for that shit. <laughs> so just be aware. All right, let's let's transition. Justin Timberlake is so bad. Oh my in God. Guru. This has nothing to do with the 2010s. And I understand his, the direction is not, that's not on him. And Mike Myers is asking him to ham it up. But Timberlake, my goodness, could you give a worse performance? No. All right. Next up is an artist who is no longer with us. And the reason he's on my top on the board, the reason he's I didn't kill him. The reason he's on my top 10 list is because as a music fan, I felt like I kind of by the time I had 30, I kind of like knew what was cool and I knew everything. Sure. And I was always like introducing my wife to music. She introduced me to this man who I had somehow missed throughout my life, who I love now. The locksmith. He's a locksmith. Uh, this is your uh, so your two sons, their, their new father. It is... Barry. It's an artist who uh, we listen to a lot in my house, and this is one of my favorite songs of the 2010s. I knew that it was wrong. I didn't have a doubt. I was dying to get back home. And you were starting out. I said I best be moving on You said we have all day You smiled at me like I was young It took my breath away Your crazy fragrance all around Your secrets all in view My loss, my loss was saying found My don't was saying do 
Leonard Cohen. Ah. The song is on the level off his final album, You Want It Darker. Oh, right. He did. Okay. He died right after this album. It's an incredible album. And Heather was a fan of Leonard Cohen. And I was always, I just, he never was on my radar. And we started listening to a lot of Leonard Cohen around the house. And he became one of those artists that when the kids went to bed and we would eat dinner and drink wine. Good. Yeah. A lot of, lot of Leonard Cohen in the 2010s. And, uh, Obviously, he's been around for decades, and he has a lot of great songs from the past, but he knew he was dying. He put out this last album. It's a dark album, and this is my favorite song on it, On the Level. Um, interesting. I like it. Nice way to... It gives the top ten a little bit of gravitas. A little bit. As well. Um it does also make me think of the David Bowie album Black Star, which showed up on all these retrospectives. Every single list. And I like Bowie a lot, but I did you ever no. investigate that album? I, I listened to it, but I don't remember. It didn't really leave much of an impact with me. You investigated it? I mean, I remember when it came the out. The single I remember. And I remember like, the oh, single, okay. and you know, I would stream it or whatever, but like, it didn't do much for me. Here's the one thing that gets is on my radar about um, list culture, yeah. listicle culture. Oh, you don't want to miss certain albums and just like the idea of that black star album is not on any list if he's alive right but i guess that's part of what it made it special because he's kind of singing about his own death which was a very like cool like bowie thing and so that's what, that's what leonard cohen's doing on this album too. yeah i guess it's kind of unfair to, to separate it like that but all right i'll shut up uh, good for bowie good for leonard cohen jeff buckley still is the better version of hollywood <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Nice song. I mean, the piano and Leonard Cohen. What else do you need? That's the it. voice. Maybe that's what I'll sound like when I sing. Tick on the ivories. In the 2020s when I'm leading my dad band. Maybe I'll kind of go for a Leonard Cohen thing. Let's hear an update, Bob. Where are we at? Haven't picked up the guitar in months. Bob. I'm working. I'm busy. I'm tired. No, Bob. If you're serious about launching this dad band, oh, you I'm need dead. to learn how to play the instrument. I'm dead serious. When this show wraps, I have one more week on the show. Then I'm off for a little bit. I'm going to fucking Picking up the axe. start shredding on that axe. <laughs> Get ready. It, it feels a little like Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. Like you'll yeah. be doing that too much. Yeah. And it'll definitely get on the radar in the house. Speaking of on the radar, this is already our longest podcast ever. And we're not done yet. Yeah, we're having a nice little conversation. We're listening to some good music. It's the end of the year, our last show year. Of the year, Bob. Well, this last is show our, of the decade, Dan. Last show of the decade. And um, this is what? We've been doing the show two and a half years now? Yeah. How much longer are we going to do the show? This, I mean, this could be it. We'll see what happens. It's really. It might just come down to how long I live here. Oh, yeah. Because if you... So a couple of years ago, I moved up to Pasadena. Coming on two years now. We used to live just a few blocks away from each other. I moved to Pasadena. Still doing the podcast. But if you end up moving... 
Right. Which is potentially in the cards in the in the future. Maybe. Well, at some point, yes. You never know. But if you end up going to another town further away, who That's knows? It. That's over. That's it. Yeah. It's over. I'll burn this fucker down. Well, you got to burn the garage and then leave. Um, all right. So I think we have two songs. Or you have one song left. I have two. That is sounds that right to me. Yep. Okay. So this is, Bob, the decade, like I said, that you say goodbye to some veteran artists. Um, who the output is just isn't up to their efforts when they were younger, which is that's part of getting older. U2 is my favorite band of all time. And it was kind of a tough decade um, for U2 because they had the whole Apple debacle. It was a top four tough decade for people listening to U2. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was uh, obviously, you know, they weren't album wise as a whole. The albums weren't as good as when they were younger and that they got kind of killed on the Internet, obviously, for the Apple thing. But uh, there were they did release some good songs. Uh, and then I thought they released their last kind of great song um, off that infamous Apple album. It's called Every Breaking Wave off Songs of Innocence. <laughs> Also, I believe oh. one of your son's favorite songs. I know it well because U2 is one of the, because of that um, spam that they did. Uh, sometimes they're like the default album that starts playing when you start the car. And because of that, uh, this song has come on more than once and Dean loves it. So I got to, I got to, I got to talk to that kid. <laughs> Wait, but you don't, you use Spotify. No, I know, but sometimes, like with a new phone or whatever it is, sometimes it defaults to the iTunes. That sounds made up. I swear to you. What? You think, you think I'm playing this for Dean? Come on. On the shore, till the next one, there'll be one more. And every gambler knows that to lose is what you're really there for. Yeah, it is weird because I was thinking about it. What were the songs and the artists and the albums I loved the most this decade? And then all like the veteran artists that I love the most, U2, Oasis, who broke up, Tom Petty, who's now dead, Bruce Springsteen. Um, a lot of these veteran artists that even in the aughts put out albums that I really loved, that kind of stopped. Yeah. Because at a certain point, you just they either their output slows down, they, in Tom Petty's case, they die, or they still just, feels weird when you say that. Yeah, I know. They 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 just um, you know they they transition into that stage of the career where you're just a huge touring act and you put out an album every four years, uh, like you two does now. Uh, but I do really like this song because it, it it to me has that kind of classic U2 sound, and um, that's why I put it on this list. It was kind of like my goodbye to U2 as like a, a recording artist. You'll never say goodbye. 
I'll never, no, I'll always love them. And as long as they tour, I'll go see them like a 40, 50 year old type person. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that is why I put us on there. And your son, so you, you're, you're trying to cover it up and take an Apple digs. With the uh, spam. No, that's what it was. No, he just likes the song. Though. No, he likes it. It's, he would have never heard it if I had my way. But this is a great part of the song. You know where my heart is, the same place that yours has been. We know that we fear to win, so we end before we begin. Before we begin. Wait for a, the next big band. Who is it? Where are they? You're still waiting for that? I'm waiting. Uh, see, I'm going backwards. What was your... Oh, this is a question I wanted to ask you. I'm glad I remembered. What was the band, like an older band that you got into this decade? Older band? I'll give you a second. I'll throw out a couple. Okay, go ahead. Uh, this decade in particular went through a replacements phase that was a lot of fun. Really liked listening to the replacements and getting into that. Hmm like era of music and the pretenders out of nowhere became mm. a band. I started listening to uh, a lot and uh, Jesus and Mary Chain were another one. So three bands that I had never heard up until I turned 33 or older or cared about that. I listened to significantly in uh, my thirties. I'm going to continue to ponder that Bob while you pick your next song. Well, my last song, your last song, and it's a song that has some added value because it's the final song that Bob's playing. Sure. I, I mean, I wasn't expecting you to add all this final value year to it. of the decade. Maybe the final show. Who knows? <laughs> you never, you never know. know. You never know. Well, I picked my last song and there were, like I said, I have a, a 60 track banger of a playlist here in front of me. And it was hard to really narrow it down. I mean, some of these were obvious, but especially when you get to those last couple, you're like, what am I going to go sure. with? So for my last song, I picked a song that is incredibly personal. Instead of going with the song that I'm like, this is the best song, I went with one that I think 10, 20, 30 years from now, if I hear it, it will make me emotional. It will take me back to... Wait, this is a song that when you hear it, it's it's not a song for other people. It's kind of Yeah, it's for, for me. You. It's the song from the decade that will take me to a very specific time and place. Uh, like you said, we both got married. We both had kids. We both had professional successes this decade, failures, affairs. Lots, a lot has happened. You- the way you're bathing light reminds me of that night. And this is the song. God laid me down into I get it. Because with what's going on with um, the rollbacks, Trump and the EPA. Yep. And just the idea that we only get one Earth. This That's blue it. marble is the only one we get. Yeah. And no one's listening to the dolphin. What happens when the dolphins cry, Dan? It's too late. Too late. The most poignant song of the 2010s. All right, let's listen to this chorus. Really good choice, man. I just don't understand how you hear that song and you say it's not a great song. For the listeners, just know that as I was talking, Dan cued that up and played it. <laughs> the last question to you was clearly to buy time. Yes. No, I could tell. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Bob. The song means much to you. 
Perhaps even more than the Dolphins cry. No, not more. I didn't say that. Well, I didn't say that. But Did, have we had any conversation that the Dolphins cry came out twenty years ago? No, we can't do this that. year. Let's not do that. We just have to roll right into a Dolphins <laughs> to a distance to hear podcast. <laughs> um, nothing in life is bigger than when you have a kid. Period. Getting yeah. getting married. Big I agree. Th- you know, like finding a girlfriend, moving in together, getting married. Those getting are all big fucking things. Laid. Getting laid for the first time. Nothing compared to having a kid changes everything. Uh, and this song takes me back to being a new dad. And I just moved to uh, my first like house, like a real house. Like you live in a house. Mm. Up, in, up until this point, it was all like apartments and being in your 20s and having, you know, crazy times in different places. And right. This was moving into a house and it was like, I live in a house now. And now I have a kid. I'm 31 years old. And I remember listening to this song, I had a little playlist when Dean was born and mm. I would walk around the house and the first two songs were The Man and Me by Bob Dylan mm-hmm. and this song by the Avid Brothers. Ah, that was on all the, and it came on all the time and I would just hold him when he was this little baby and dance around. It's Live or Die off their album The Carpenter and this is the, this is the song I think that will take me back to the 2010s more than anything else. At this point, they had, they were like a year or two removed from the "I Am Loving You" mm-hmm. single that made them big, and this song was. All it'll ah, take yes. is just one moment, and you can say goodbye to how we had it planned. Fear like a habit, run like a rabbit. Out and away Through the screen door To the unknown And I want to love you and more I want to find you and more Where do you reside When you're high How can I find you Cause I So I moved to LA in twenty in two thousand seven two thousand eight, and uh, I wish that would have been a round number so that way I could just equate everything in LA, right, with like an even number. So it's a little off, unfortunately. But the Ava Brothers, Ockerville River, there's some like bands that I got into when I moved here that became my favorite bands of the twenty tens. Like Ockerville River should have been on this list, but I think their best stuff was like two thousand eight two thousand nine right. for me. But it's all like that new in L.A. thing. And the Avid Brothers are one of those bands that became one of the bands I really got into this decade. Saw them live finally this year. It's an amazing concert. Yeah, I Emily and I both 
um, really were into that album that preceded this and this album as well. They had a really good documentary. Did you ever see the documentary? I have not seen it. I need to see that. Judd Apatow directed that. Yes, he did. Um, and uh, yeah, I like them. They're, They're just, good. Yeah, I, they, they actually remind me of living in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn in 2010 when that album was just like huge. And, um, and all those songs kind of take me back there. Of course... Brooklyn, Take Me Home, that song. Yep. So, yeah, they're one of those, like, hitch-in-the-feels bands. They are. They do it. The um, Just to tie this into your other podcast, you know, the night before Dean was born, the mo- it was Monday night. It was the first Monday night football game of the season. And uh, I was I was working with Brian and Jason. We were writing something, and Heather walked by, you know, nine months pregnant. And uh, I was like, oh, me and uh, the guys, we're going to the bar to watch the first Monday night football game of the year. Do you want to come? She was like, I'm going to have a baby any minute now. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll be home after. So we went to the bar and I had like two beers maybe and stopped and then went home for the second half. And as I'm watching the second half, she starts like feeling a little like stomach pain. And she's like, oh, that's weird. I don't know what this is. And she was on the phone with Emily, your wife. And I remember Emily saying like, you should probably time these. And we started timing them Mm. and we realized it was happening all while I'm watching the Patriots on Monday Night Football. And Sebastian Janikowski kicked a then record like 63 yard field goal, which uh, made my fantasy team lose that week. Oh, so uh, so horrible time in your life. Bad memories. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's how I'm ending my 10. I'm ending with the Avid Brothers. Really? I like that. Good way to end it. Nice and personal. Personal moment. Not as good as Dolphins Cry, but what song is? It's never happened. That was the best song. That was the peak of music. Period. So it's it's not beholden to a decade. I should, uh, to the um, fans of this show and just people who follow me on Twitter, I did throw it out there uh, about a week or so ago. Give me some ideas for uh, songs that were the best of the decade. So I'm just going to throw some out there. Uh, Burgo, who I work with, Jeremy Bergman, Latched by Disclosure. Steve Clark, Red, Eye, Red Eyes by The War on Drugs. Um, Kendrick Lamar, Money Tree, uh, Arctic Monkeys, Do I Want to Know? That popped up a lot. A couple of ki- people, including our boy uh, Joe D, If I Had a Gun by Noel Gallagher. I thought about that. I thought about it as well, but I just it didn't make it, but I do love that it, song. They just suffer from not being Oasis individually. A little bit. Yeah. Um, Sing for the Day, Aluminum Foil by Weird Al Yankovic. Great call. Do you remember that one? Nope, but you should have gone with it. Lady Gaga, Edge of Glory, uh, Dancing on My Own, Blood Buzz Ohio, The National. I do like The uh, the National quite a bit. Yeah, me too. And I forgot about Radiohead, which I love Radiohead. Every album they put out I still love. Burn the Witch would have been great. Oh, yeah, that would have been. Uh, option. Anyway, thank you to everybody that threw out um, suggestions. The suge- The song that I will close with, though, is... The song that I kind of teased in the uh, gift that I attached to that um, tweet, uh, which is it's Kanye West. It's uh, Runaway featuring Pusha T. And I have to say that, um, as we've talked about on the show, Bob, I love, 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 love big artists with like huge ambitions and uh, music that uh, connects with a shit ton of people and mm-hmm. also when a big artist that's talented and it's under a lot of scrutiny and a lot of pressure and everyone wants to hear the album and then the album comes out and it's just like, 
oh, fuck, he did it. Yep. That's what um, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was in 2010. And Runaway uh, was a song that when it came out, the first single, I, I was like, oh, my God, this is a perfect song. So let's listen to it. Runaway, Kanye West. thoughts about this first of all from a artist standpoint i love that kanye had such ambition that he said i'm the next michael jackson and sometimes it's hard in the moment to uh, recognize like how big an artist is until you take a step back and some time passes kanye from like 2003 2004 until about 2011 or 12 Mm -hmm was that guy for I think he was that huge uh, no one's ever as big as like Michael Jackson but I mean in terms of somebody that crosses the aisles that is not just uh, musically incredibly talented but is just kind of like the center of the universe yeah and he that's what he was for eight ten years and what I loved about this song and this album was that this was fairly deep into his career to drop what I think was his best album um, ever. I mean, he's just, he was the fucking man. And everything that he's done since, which he's gone kind of crazy, the weird and kind of irony of it all is that that kind of files follows the Michael Jackson course too, right? Uh, where he became so disconnected and so famous that it clearly started to just fuck him up and distance him from the world. Yeah. Now, hopefully it doesn't get as far gone as Michael Jackson, but there's parallels for sure. For sure, yeah. I fucking love this song from first listen. It was just so interesting. And again, an SNL performance where he was just... Oh, it was so good. So good. Uh, yeah, and just openly being a dirtbag is just something that was refreshing in a weird way. Yeah. Pussy stays on my mind. I did it, alright, alright, I admit it Now pick your next move, you can leave or live with it It could buy a train with that motherfucking top off Split and go where, back to wearing knockoffs High, knock it off, Neiman's shop it off Let's talk over my ties, waitress, top it off Hoes like vultures wanna fly in your Freddy loafers You can't blame them, they ain't never seen Versace sofas Every bag, every blouse, every bracelet Comes with a price tag, baby, face it You should leave if you can't accept the bait 
Plenty holes in a ball of nigga matrix Invisibly set, the Rolex is faceless I'm just young, rich, and tasteless I think one thing people miss with Kanye, too, is because he's he could be a jackass, as Obama said, and he could be he could just seem like a, a parody of himself sometimes. But like, there's some like fucking serious depth to his like best music, like this song, that verse, the Pusha T verse. Yeah. So the whole song is about this guy who's just lost. He knows that he has this girl that like he should be with, and he, but he knows he's gonna fuck it up because he's an asshole, and he's just filled with um, regret and he's filled with guilt. Because he just can't be the man he knows he has to be. Yeah. And then the Pusha T verse, and I did some uh, half-assed research on this. Kanye, basically, every time this guy Pusha T would come to him with like the verse, he'd say, "No, no, no, you got to be a bigger scumbag." Because he's Pusha T's role in this song is to be that inner id, the asshole. Yeah. Like that says, "I know that I'm. I'm telling you, I'm going to cheat on you and and treat you like shit." Uh, but you will stay with me because I have money and fame, and you'll you'll stay because of that. Right. So he has like this like this war within, and I it does remind me of like this song came out when we were living in L.A. and Emily was in New York still, and just being like, "Fuck, do not fuck this up, dickhead." Because it's tough because you spend your whole twenties <laughs> kind of like want like maybe you want a relationship, maybe you don't, but you're not. You're not settling down. You're just kind of like having fun. And then when you realize that like, right. oh, this one's different, all of a sudden it becomes don't fuck it up. Right. And it's a completely different experience. And it's not natural to like just, you. it's to just like change on a dime and all of a sudden be like, yep, and now I'm 100% done flirting and I'm going to bars, but I'm not talking to people and I'm done. Like it's, there's definitely like a weird portion of settling down where you have to kind of like get into it like you have to right. kind of like ease into that next part of your life at this point i'm a fucking disaster if i would ever try to talk to a girl <laughs> no it would be a, it have, would be the handbook is gone it would be yeah. an abomination oh <laughs> yes one of the great moments in uh, the 2010s was when i realized that early on i was at a bar with uh our old friend brian and brandon our super good looking so good friend who like girls would just come up to him and start talking and we were at this bar in on la cienega and we were talking to these like four girls and I was probably married for like six months at the time. And I'm talking to this girl who was like in her early twenties. And she says like, yeah, you know, like I graduated last year and I'm about to move to New York. And I was like, Oh, are you going with your friends? And she was like, no, I don't know anybody there. I'm just going to do it because I've always wanted to do it. And that's where <laughs> I'm going to go live. And I went, wow, I'm so proud of you. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when it was over. That's when you got in the Uber. <laughs> that's when I, there was an Uber yet. That's when I just walked home asking myself, who am I? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, said the old man at the bar. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's why I love uh, and this out al- this song is filled with uh this album's filled with songs that are all over the map of you know how the kind of mind of Kanye, but this is like the vulnerable I know I'm going to fuck this up, yeah. but I can't stop it. Yep. It's like a car crash that you see coming. You can't stop. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think to me, that's the best song of the decade by the most important artist. Um, not of the entire decade, but really, you know, 2004 to 2012 or so. Kanye ruled the world. All right, Bob. 
Even Life of Pablo, good album. So I'm going to give him there 2013. Some, there were some good songs on there. Not a great album, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's got, it's got some bangers. Black Skin Had I Liked. That was Yeezus. Yeah. Which was kind of Yeah, that was interesting. Intense. All right, here we go. I don't know how we do this. This feels tough. Well, we, we haven't thanked the Patreonies who make it possible for us to do a two-hour and 12-minute podcast. <laughs> Especially, I've our, always wondered what it'd be like to do a like one of these like, like Joe Joe Rogan. Holy podcasts. shit, love gurus, love gurus over again. Yeah, I got to go home. This is ridiculous. <clears throat> but this is how it is. It's not that bad. It's not that bad actually. Uh, thank you to all of the Patreonies who made this possible this year. Bruno, the fucking sponsor, still out there. Wow, what a what a what, what a, a hero. great dude. He's he did, he's done it for so long and supported us for so long. Courtney and Wyatt. Courtney and Wyatt have been supporting us for a while. We're gonna love hit, their children. We're about to hit them up soon for a Wyatt Wyatt's Choice episode <laughs> for our next Patreoni poll. Cannot wait. Can't wait for that. Uh, God, Kleine and everybody, uh, Stu's Wood, everybody that's helped us along the way. Here we are going into 2020, still alive. So thank you, patreon.com slash throwbackpod. Everybody who kicks in $2 a month, $6 a month. You guys are the fucking best. Mm, thank you to everybody. When would Dan watch The Love Guru if not for you? Getting paid to watch The Love Guru in a lot of ways right now. And that's special. Um, all right, Bob. Well, logically, if we just want to speak logically, um, War on Drugs showed up twice. I'm not saying we should go that route, uh, but they did show they did um, show up twice. We both had them on the list. Right. Now, another angle, Bob, is that you loved uh, Future Islands, and you were counting on me to put it on, which actually is, you know, there's something about that that I find powerful almost. Like you have the power or just the song it's is just powerful? Just powerful that, like, you really wanted it to be on there, and you counted on me to get it on there. And if you didn't, if I didn't get it on there, you would have maybe stepped in. Right. And you, you put it all together. It feels like a good choice for, it, that, for that angle. It does. I'm going to throw one more thing out there, though, because there was another song I knew you were going to put on there. Okay. Um, if there was, you know, I think I know you pretty well at this point. We've been friends for like 72 years. Yeah. It's really getting up there. A little too long, but yeah. Yeah. So that's going to end in the 2020s, but um, not just because I follow you on Twitter that I knew that Kanye was going to end up there, but I don't disagree. Ooh. That runaway off of one of the best albums of the decade kicked off the decade. Yeah. I would listen to that album all the time. Uh, there's that Beyonce hidden track at the end mm. that I fucking loved. I thought about putting that on here just because I used to listen to that all the time. I mean, it has so many, good it has songs. so many good yeah. songs, but runaway was the standout. All right. I kind of, I think that's the decade. Are we going with the nine minute version or the radio edit? That's a great question. I think radio edit, right? I don't know. Nine minutes has some... down on like the emotional heart of the song. I mean, we, we have time to figure that out. We do. We have, but for now, let's, let's debate it. Let's you. debate so that for the next 45 minutes. Runaway by Kanye West featuring Pusha T is our selection uh, for the song of the decade. On uh, you could check it out on the throwback podcast playlist on Spotify, on Apple music. And again, thank you to everybody for, if you listen to this whole show, Oh my Holy God. Holy shit. Holy shit. We respect the fuck out of you. Wait, let's say something right now so we know that they listen to the end. And if people tweet it at us, then we're like, oh, they really did at the end. Oh, the lead single off of 
the fucking Boa Constrictor's first album, Pussy. Yeah. I don't think we've said it. What's the lead single? And that way, if they tweet us the name of the lead single, we know they made it all the way to the end. Well, wouldn't it be the um, Drunk Driver? Wasn't that the single from that album? What? Because Boa Constrictor, Boa Constrictor is the car seat headrest. No, I like to think Boa Constrictor, the fucking Boa Constrictors <laughs> has taken on a life of its own, and it's our oh, it's band. their own album. It's, it's okay. their own album. So the name of the uh, debut single from the fucking Boa Constrictors right. is the um, Mangash Express? The Mangash Express. Yeah. So let us know you made it all the way to the end. <laughs> Hashtag Mangash Express. <laughs> Thank you to everybody, and uh, happy... New Year. Happy New Year. Get get fucking crazy. Get crazy. The biggest party night of the year. Spend $150 for an open bar and regret it. And as always, remember. In the 2020s. Don't drink and drive. And go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is with females. But I'm not too good at that shit. See, I can have me a good girl. And still be addicted to the mug Woo! <laughs>